listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3 R. Listening to the Breakfasters podcast from the 11th of March to the 15th of March. Uh, Sarah was away this week, but we had many worthy people to fill in for her. Uh, Friday Funny Bugger, we had Nat Harris, who talked about part-time jobs. We did a bit of role role play, which is good. And also we had a bit of a chat about being nice to strangers. Yes, Michael Harden came in for food interlude, talked about oysters, which are disgusting, but apparently some people like them. And we talked to Johanna Simkin from the Melbourne Museum about an exhibition there about your gut and how it's connected to your mind. Poo transplant. Oh. Three triple R. I'm hungry. I want something to eat. Something with a crunch and very sweet. Time for food interlude here on Breakfast. It's time to talk to Michael Hutton. How are you going, Michael? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good because I haven't eaten an oyster. I know. Jeff's not a fan. <laughs> you know, oh, my God. Yeah, I was going to do a show of hands in the room. Like, who, who, like, yes or Team Oyster? Yes. Yes. Am I the only one? Oh, yeah. my God. See, this is what happens. It divides the room every time. It's sort of like oysters are one of those things that people either hate or they love. Oh, so it's sort of like down the middle, which is one of the reasons that I really like them because it's sort of like, you know, if you can hate or love something, that's sort of, you know, it's it like means it's like this. like eating a spoonful something. of spit. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> Non-oyster people. That is the grossest thing you yeah. could ever say. <laughs> and so untrue. But it's sort of like it's... Um, Good time to be talking about them because we're just about to swap over um, in season-wise because there's sort of there's three variety main varieties that we of oysters that we eat in Australia, and there's uh, Sydney Rocks, which are an indigenous oyster, mm-hmm. and their season is just about to come to an end, and uh, and then they take over by the Pacific Oyster, which is a slightly larger oyster that was originally it's a Japanese oyster introduced, um, which is uh, farmed in South Australia and Tasmania mostly, but the rest of the country it's banned as an invasive pest so um it's uh it's kind of it's quite an interesting one it's sort of like that because it does take over the oyster beds but it does very well in australia and it is quite delicious and (laughs) i'm talking i'm looking at you (laughs) you because these people don't understand and then there's the angasi oyster which is another native oyster which is uh quite hard to farm it's like a flat oyster and quite large Mm -hmm. um and that's sort of like it's a more year-round so um seasonal with the oysters is very important because it, it it does affect the flavour in a big way and uh, the the reason that is sort of that when oysters spawn after they um, they become as somebody I was reading a book called Consider the Oyster the other day which is quite poetic about oysters but they were saying that uh, after an oyster is spawned it uh, lies in the bottom of the shell like a wet tissue oh gross yeah which is kind of gross, but you sort of kind of understand it in a way yeah. because it's sort of like because an oyster lives a very um, sort of exciting life to start <laughs> with. It's sort of like it's they're pedandric, which means that they start off they, as male and they turn female as they get older. Wow. So there's this oh. very like it's quite interesting the way that they breed. It's sort of like they the, the, there's a, like a spawning. Um, 
time. Shower? With it. Yes, it really is. Like, you know, the more I'm talking about this, the more it is. There is sort of some gross elements to it. But um, they have, like, the water temperature hits a certain peak and then some of the males, which are only about a year old, will, um, they start to spawn. So they send sperm out into the water and then the females respond by sending eggs out. And so that's sort of like it's all, they're all just floating around in the water hoping to connect somehow. And, um, Sorry, I just have an impression of what Sarah Sarah's face would be like. So and so that that's all happening, and then they, they some of them connect, and so then the little baby oysters that are, they float around just free for about three weeks, starting to form their shell, but sort of trying to find somewhere to land. And in that time, the success rate of an oyster living is point one. Whoa. So 0.1% of all, like, you know, so this is what, what understandable why a female oyster will uh, chuck out 100 million eggs a mm. year So because it's a really low strike rate. So they end up sort of on the, you know, uh, the, the little spats they're called. Then they, they settle on a rock and they grow for about a year, become male, and then they're, they're ready to eat sort of three to four years later. So it's uh, you know it's quite a you know it's quite a quite a dramatic life for them because they're in the, as well as that they've all got pests coming at them the whole time. So there's mussels trying to eat them and worms trying to bore into their shells and everything. So it's quite a miracle that they get here so in the first place. So most of the oysters that you eat are they farmed? Or? Pretty much every oyster that you eat in Australia is farmed, right? Unless you're sort of going out and pulling them off the rocks yourself, which is. My first experience of eating an oyster Is with it? my mother, yes. So she pulled an oyster off and fed it to me when I was quite young, and it was sort of like it was before I could. I had those sort of snot metaphors that you've just <laughs> yes. um, enlightened us with. So, uh, so I, th- I found it absolutely delicious because it was like it just tastes like the ocean to me. And um, so, and it's interesting that, like in farming oysters, we farm a lot of oysters, and you know, seafood generally um, in Australia is pretty big, and we send a lot of it overseas. But ninety-seven percent of the oysters that we that we farm in Australia are eaten in the country, so it's uh, it's quite a high. High level work. You saw, but you have to eat them when they're really fresh, don't you? Yes. Yeah. They have to be. They basically have to be alive. Yeah. Um, so the the way that you need to um, eat the oyster, it's like to to know that it's good. You need to tap it on the shell, and if it closes up, you know that it's in there. You know, trying yeah. to trying to not be eaten. Um, so if it, if it doesn't if it doesn't close up, then you know that it's, it's not a good one to eat. But you know the idea of the bad oyster and people being poisoned by oysters and that sort of stuff, I find it very difficult to believe that you could do that because if you go anywhere near a bad oyster, you're going to know it's bad. It's uh, it stinks. It. Yeah, it stinks, and you, you wouldn't want to put it in your mouth. What are the health benefits of oysters? Are that do you know? Oh yeah, they're 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 really like you know. There's the you know the thing that they talk about oysters with the you know the whole aphrodisiac thing mm. you know it's sort of like and and it's been pretty much proved that it's sort of like you know some Italian scientists decided to test it and it sort of increased the libido in a rat or something I think but it hasn't actually been sort of proven for for um, <laughs> actual humans and uh, but they but the main reason is that there's a lot of zinc in it. Um, and they, there's a lot of, uh, there's also vitamin B12, vitamin A, um, a bunch of different things. It's very low in cholesterol, um, lowest of cholesterol for all seafood. Um, so there are, they are very good for you and really low calories. So they're sort of, like, yeah. but, but quite high in protein. And how do you like to, and both of you, how do you like to eat them? 
I'm na- a natural gal with a bit of squish, squish of lemon. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, that's the classic. It's yeah. sort of like I think I, I'm either, yeah, absolutely bare, you know, if they're a really good oyster. It's sort of like because you, when you shuck them, you have to be very careful not to lose because the main thing is the liquor in them because it used to be the way that they served oysters um, in Australia up until quite recently was that they would, they would shuck them and then they would cut the muscle yeah. and then they would rinse it and wash all the liquor out of it, and then they'd flip them. So when you looked at them, they had the like the the more the bulbous side was on, so they looked sort of plumper. Mm. But that kind of basically just ruins the whole oyster because you've lost a lot of because of the, the liquor, which is which was just the oceanic sort of quality to them. Is that's where they are. So um, you know, there's also the argument about cooked oysters as well so you know i'm kind of i i can i can get on board as long as people know what they're doing and i do quite like a dirty kilpatrick every now and again (laughs) what's a a kilpatrick kilpatrick is uh chopped up bacon and worcestershire sauce and then the oyster is grilled Mm. so it's sort of like it's it's warm and then with bacon and worcestershire sauce so like probably not bad for you people that don't like if you're forced to eat an oyster it might be a good way to do it well here's the thing i think um I did have a go at an oyster once because I, you know, had just never had one because I had that analogy in my head yeah. and was like... And then I got to a stage where, no, 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 I, let's be adult about this. Yeah. grow up. A, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think the issue was that it was a cooked oyster and not by someone that knew how to cook oysters. Mm. How and was it? it? What did you, how did they cook it? I don't know. Just I don't know. Just on the frying pan, oh, I right. guess, or okay. something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I can't remember. I just remember not being able to get it down because <laughs> I know you're supposed to not chew it. They go, "Don't chew it. You just swallow it." Mm. Yeah, but I couldn't do that. <laughs> I tend to with a cooked oyster. I tend to I'll, I will chew it, whereas with the with the other ones, probably not so much. I think maybe if I had a fresh oyster and managed to get it down. Yeah. With just a little bit of like, as you say, lemon juice, or they do the like the classic French sauce is a mignonette, which is uh, which is like a either a white wine vinegar or a sherry vinegar mm. with really finely diced shallots Ooh. in it. So it's sort of like it gives you that sort of really acidic thing, similar to a lemon acid, but sort of like a little sweeter. And then with the added onion stuff, so that's really good. So, mm. so if anyone listening wanted to eat some of these disgusting things, where would they go? <laughs> well, they're all over town. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's quite a few places that you can get sort of, there's all, all you can eat oysters, which I probably avoid, but you know, all there's, you can some, eat. there's some, there's some great, there's, you know, good seafood restaurants around the Atlantic, um, um, down at South Bank is really good. That, and they have an oyster night and their oysters, I'd, I would rate their oysters. And, uh, you know, there's sort of places like, um, I think Andrew McConnell's stable of restaurants, which is, uh, places like, um, Cumulus Inc. in the city and stuff. You're going to get really good because he sort of gets ver- from small oysters to farmers that have different varieties of, of oysters so you can actually it's like a menu of flavor that you can get of you know some of them a bit saltier and some of them a bit brinier and some of them a bit sweeter a bit plumper that sort of thing yeah do people mostly have them as entrees or as a main course or yeah mostly as mostly as entrees or something to start off they're really good to like as, a, as an appetizer they're fantastic to start the get the appetite going they've got like that the, that's the quality of them and really good with sort of aperitivo kind of drinks you know like a, like the, mm. you know obviously champagne is one thing that they talk about, but fantastic with manzanilla sherry, which is like a really dry, like dry sherry. They're fantastic with stout as well. Oh. They go really well with the saltiness with the, with that. Oh, um, you're winning me back stout. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Michael Harden. Fascinating as always. We'll talk to you again soon. Great, thank you. Three triple.
friends at the Melbourne Museum are running an exhibition opening this weekend entitled Gut Feelings, Your Mind, Your Microbes. To tell us all about it, we're joined by Joanna Simpkin, Senior Curator from Human Biology and Medicine. Welcome to Breakfasters. Thank you very much. Hello. Hello. Traditionally, I guess we would have thought of the gut and the mind almost as opposites, kind of like mm-hmm. the lower and the yep. higher parts of the body yep. as it were. But I take it that's not really true. That is the first response I get every time. People sort of like, what? How I am nothing if not predictable. Talk to each other. <laughs> one's down there, one's up here. Uh, yeah, so this exhibition really gets into that, how your guts and minds could possibly talk to each other. And uh, we, we really um, get into the detail around that. Um, and, you know, the first thing I like to explain to people is you have this amazing superhighway between your gut and mind, the vagus nerve, which actually runs from the base of your brain all the way to your gut. So What's it called? So they're actually directly linked. The, the vagus nerve. Mm. Not like Las Vegas, but... but a little bit, still. But sort of. That's yeah. how I just think it's like full of shows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we kind of get into that and um, show the really broad scape of um, impact that these little guys have on you. In fact, one to two kilograms of you is microbes. So they have a big impact. So a big feature of the exhibition seems to be the trillions, trillions of microbes mm. that you have in your gut. So yeah. what exactly is a microbe? Uh, so a microbe is a little guy. It includes um, bacteria, viruses, fungi, and a range of other weird little things. Um, but you can kind of think of them as uh, very, very small uh, organisms that live within you and kind of use you as a home. And in fact, they love different kind of landscapes on your body. So you've got different ones on your skin to what you've got in your gut. And so these are essentially independent creatures yeah. is that and, yes that's and the more creepy. and the more well, we got into that, like that yes <laughs> no it's really interesting to think of it that way because the more we got into it and and learning the impact that they have even on our behavior and thinking the more we kind of wanted oh god are we just sort of puppets for these little microbes to yes you know, see this is the, and move around this is the bit that gets me is like how does a microbe affect how we're yeah. feeling yeah well So we get into this in the exhibition, but um, to give you a really quick rundown, basically you eat food, Mm -hmm. the microbes in your gut also eat that food, and they produce these tiny little things called short-chain fatty acids, and these can talk directly to your nervous system, hormone system, immune system, and nervous system, of course, includes that amazing vagus nerve that I mentioned before, and so that that little uh, message can go straight from your gut up to your brain, and you know, the brain controls a lot of things, including your behaviour and mood and things like that. And so, so is, they can talk directly. Things like when you, you eat chocolate and it yeah. releases those. Yeah. So that's a different, different thing. thing. But, but can yep. you just talk about that instead? Because that's <laughs> what <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, I can actually. So that is really interesting. That's about um, that's more about addiction pathways and the okay. release of dopamine. But it's really interesting. It's the same addiction pathways for chocolate as cocaine and things like that. So it's fascinating. Um, yeah, your gut is powerful. Yeah, yeah. So is it like? Because I've had friends that are like um, gluten intolerant, and they talk about when they eat bread, it makes them depressed. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting actually talking to um, scientists all around Melbourne. There's quite a few labs that are working on this at the moment and getting into the side of mental health and your diet. Um, in fact, there's a whole food and mood centre <clears throat> um, 
at, at Deakin, in, yeah. at uh, Deakin out near Geelong, um, that really is focusing on that and looking at even how um, your your daily diet can um, influence, yeah, your mood and even your likelihood of depression or helping to treat depression. So, yeah, cool. it's, it's a real thing. In the material for this exhibition, there's a quote about how you have more microbes inside you than there are stars in the Milky Way, yes. which is quite a quote. But are yeah. the microbes in one person identical to those in another people? Do we all have our own weird and wonderful collection of these creatures? Yeah, so that's where the science is at at the moment. So we know vaguely that um, certain microbes are pretty good for you and certain microbes are pretty bad for you, but then working out what the ideal combination of all these different microbes is for you versus me um, is a whole nother thing so because we are so different we have different genetics and we've had different life experiences we have different stresses in our lives uh, what could be the ideal mix for me might be not the ideal mix for you so um, the idea of tailoring a microbe mix that's unique to you is a really interesting way that personalized medicine could go in the future who knows you might take a pill to you know be your optimal self or even (laughs) alter yourself, you know, if you want to. So if you're a normally very introverted person, could you potentially take take a pill, change your microbes? Some party microbes. Yeah, become (laughs) a party animal for a night. Uh, So the gut seems to be having a bit of a moment. Everywhere you go, people are talking. trendy. Yes, it's very fashionable. I mean, every 7-Eleven is now selling probiotic Mm -hmm. drinks, things Mm -hmm. that are supposed to be good for Mm -hmm. your gut health. Is this real yeah. or are yeah. these things bogus? So the reason you're seeing it all the time at the moment is because the last kind of, let's say, five or so years, there's been a huge boom in research in this field. And that's because there's um, been new technology available, sequencing technology. So we can really pick apart exactly which microbes are present in us and exactly what they're doing. So... Um, you know, even though for ages we've known having a, a good whole food diet is good for you, it's now we're getting down to this level of and your microbes eating those whole foods and they're producing these little short chain fatty acids and they're then doing all this really precise signaling to different parts of your, even different parts of your brain. I've been reading about certain microbes sending a signal by that vagus nerve again. Yes. Um, to stimulate, you know, a certain region deep within your brain responsible for memory. So the idea that it could be that precise is oh. mind-blowing. Mm. Yep. Geraldine, you can ask that question now. Go on. Oh, can we talk about poo transplants? <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a whole room dedicated to this in the exhibition. Oh, my Everyone <laughs> wants to know about it. See? Um, <laughs> Asking the question yeah. for the people. In fact, in the exhibition, we've interviewed... Um, some surgeons and researchers that work on this and also someone who's received one. So we we answer all the burning questions that you have, like, why can you feel it? Is it cold? Like, all all these questions that everyone wants to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it's actually really interesting, yeah, hearing a first-hand experience of it Uh, and then also getting the surgeon side of it and hearing, you know, um, that they're kind of uh, trialling this for not only um, bacterial diseases. So mm. I should probably explain what it is for people who don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't just throw the phrase poo transplant <laughs> I just out assume there. everyone's on the same page. Yeah. But, um, so a faecal microbiota transplant involves <laughs> taking uh, 
poo from a healthy person and this poo contains a whole heap of um, microbes uh, and then putting that into someone who's sick. So at the moment, hospitals are using it to treat um, C. difficile infection, which is a life-threatening infection. And at the moment, they kind of only use it if someone's really at death's door right. um, and they're going to die from this infection. And the amazing thing is they can get this transplant, so they sort of get washed out with antibiotics and then they get the transplant via colonoscopy, usually. Uh, and then uh, the so the good microbes can colonise their body and kind of bring bring them back from the brink. And, and has it got a success? Has a good success? Yeah, rate? it does. It's wow. uh, and and fast too, which is the amazing. I was going to say, how long does it take for the so like the colony I've, to set up? I've heard so I've heard stories of people to literally on death's door and then um, you know sitting up you know after a day or so and being able to leave hospital within a week Um, but it's really fast and that's one of the empowering things we're trying to get through in this exhibition that in fact you have the power to change your own microbes in as little as 24 hours just eat well today and already you're improving your microbes you know so it's this really fast thing it's not this impossible it's not like oh, I don't want to make this example, but it's not like exercise where you know yes. you've got like oh. you've got weeks of work ahead like of you. This yeah. is um, <laughs> eat some good stuff, and your gut will be happy, and we'll thank you, and we'll look after you for it. Oh, that's yeah. there you go. Uh, the press kit is promising a multi-sensory experience. So, what yeah. pe- will people see if they come to the exhibition? Yeah, uh, well, one of my favourite experiences is the entry experience, where we're actually getting people to see the exhibition with their own microbes. So you walk towards a glowing handprint. And it says touch to meet your microbes and you place your hand on it and these beautiful, colourful microbes um, that we've created with our designers and with the help of scientists to make them (laughs) realistic but gorgeous as well, um, float from your hand and then float down this gut tunnel, which is the same nine metres in length as your actual gut. They Mm. kind of move in peristaltic waves and sweep you along the gut tunnel. Oh, great. It's my favourite bit. It's very, very beautiful. But then we've got um, projections of uh, real microbes, so from scanning electron microbes microscopy um, we've got uh, smart mirrors that will project your microbes onto you and you can kind of slosh them about and they tell you about Ooh. where the microbes are and the scale of them in your body <clears throat> um, and uh, we've got all sorts as I said we've got a whole room dedicated to poo transplants we've got a whole room dedicated you'll find to Geraldine in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> a whole room dedicated to the the gut brain network and getting into the detail there for those who really want to get into the detail um, and also a room describing how we've evolved from and with them so um, this idea that microbes uh, were kind of the first things on this planet they'll probably be the last things on this planet too we're honest um and that we've kind of evolved not only from them but covered in them always so it kind of makes sense that we function at our best when we're covered with these guys and that's how we've been made it's how we've evolved yeah amazing stuff okay so it's opening on the 16th of march this week Mm -hmm. and it's entitled gut feelings your mind your microbes at the melbourne museum we've been talking to the senior curator joanna sinkham thanks so much for coming thank you triple r not for everyone for anyone you're listening to breakfasters uh i think sometimes you try to do nice things for strangers, and I, I don't. Sometimes I think about doing nice things for strangers, but don't actually do it. I think, mm. given the opportunity, mm. I would like to do this or that or the other. What gets in the way? Is it awkwardness? Money. Money. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, like you know, I often think, you know, 
if I had lots and lots of money, then I would absolutely give it out, give it oh. away. Oh. Not all of it, but just random. I always thought that if I had, once I had enough money one day, that back when the, you'd um, get on the tram and you'd, have, you'd buy tickets on the tram mm. and they only took coins, even though it was like $5 a ticket, like just please change that. Oh, they did. Thank you, Mikey. <laughs> but also not thank you, Mikey. Yes. But yeah. yeah. But I always thought that one day I would, um, if I ever won lotto or whatever, I would stand on the tram with a $100 worth of gold coins <laughs> and just stand there next to the ticket machine. And so I'd go, no, 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 this one's on me and, and buy everybody's tickets that needed one on the tram. I thought that, w- that would be a nice thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I guess, <laughs> I guess it's a slight, slightly eccentric way of going about your generosity, but not too uh, many uh, tycoons spend their days on trams dispensing change. No, well, maybe they should. You know, maybe now I'll just stand at the miking machine. No, like explaining to people how to work it. Yeah, that would be true generosity because that is very confusing. Because <laughs> uh, I, I live near the Flinders Street, and the, the streams of tourists, in particular. Do you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like people, oh. especially people in English, isn't that great? Staring at that machine, trying to work out what yeah. the hell is going on. Yeah, seriously. Exactly. And like, the whole system of you, you touch off when you get off trains, but you don't touch off when you get off trams. How how is buses that? Buses you touch on and off. Yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. There'd be lots of work for you for you if you'd won. Oh, if that'd you'd won drive one. me mad. <laughs> You take it back already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. that I've, There's people in a tiny Spanish village uh, are mystified by an anonymous donor who leaves envelopes of cash in mailboxes or under doors. That's just oh. sus. That seems sus to me. Here we go. Why? Because you, th- you think it's drug money? <laughs> I don't know. I just don't think I'd take <laughs> money say- in an envelope that arrived at my house. Why not? Yeah, because I, What's I, the no, I, 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 I'm with Sam. I feel that the, the, like the drug lord will come back two weeks later and say, okay. "Where's the money that I was keeping?" <laughs> yeah, and it suddenly right. turn into some Al Capone movie. Oh, <laughs> I just go, "No, spend it, buddy. Shut the door. See ya. See you later, Al Capone." <laughs> um, so since last Wednesday, fifteen people in this um, tiny town that I can't pronounce in, in northern Spain had received envelopes containing up to a um, hundred pounds or one hundred and sixty dollars cash. Yeah, um, wow. that's not nothing. No, right. exactly. And locals are trying to work out why a group of apparently unconnected people in a village of just over 800 have been singled out for the gifts. Oh. Some Spanish news reports have called the anonymous donor the Robin Hood of Villa Romeo. Villa, oh. Villa Romeo. I don't know how to you say think it. think there'd be a message of some kind or something. Unless Maybe. it's just true animosity. How would you be if you were one of the people in the village who hadn't got any? It's like, what did you get in your envelope yeah. this morning? What well, imagine if your envelope was only like five bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Someone else had... Some coins. Yeah. Geraldine's envelope would just be coins for the tram. But how And how would you... How's this Robin Hood determ, determining who gets it and how much? Yeah. Like, yeah. They, is, they've been stalked? <laughs> You know? That's well, what it I mean. Up a, a lot of questions. But this is yeah. the problem with this thing about being nice to strangers. Always backfires. So, so for people like you who are just very, oh, what's going on here? Why is the pilot bringing us burgers? Why aren't you concentrating on flying? What's this envelope of money doing in my house? I don't want the pilot getting me burgers. I want him flying the bloody plane. Anyway, so what's, anywhere, a, what's an example of generosity so I, that's backfired? I, I went over to get us our coffee 
this morning, mm-hmm. as I do. Which is so nice of you. It's yes, very yes, generous. Thank, thank you. you, Sam. You can come on this show whenever you want. <laughs> I didn't thank you off, Mike, but I'll thank you on. Um, but I was walking out of the coffee shop and I saw um, the the woman who helps in there. She's I think she's the mum of the, the, oh, the yeah, guys yeah. Who, who run yeah. the... And she helps in, in there sometimes. Yes. And um, I smiled and said, good morning to her. Yeah. And then I realised it wasn't her at all. <laughs> and it was, just, it was, in fact, a much younger woman who just had a similar haircut. Right. And so you saw a lady and yeah, presumed yes. that she was. And I think she thought that I was some sort of sleazy pick-up artist. Oh, no. <laughs> what was her reaction? How did you smile? <laughs> did you add a wink to your smile? And she just hurried on and went, and went off. And he was like, just trying to make a nice gesture to someone I see every day. Went terribly wrong. The lesson is... Don't try. Oh. <laughs> well, I feel like I feel like I'm, I have things like that backfire too because I have this weird urge. I guess this is my example of trying to be generous to strangers. I have this weird urge when I go past a restaurant or a cafe that's completely empty to go in there and try and support the business, oh, even yes. if no one's in there. Like it's just such a strong urge. I can't help myself. I feel so sorry for struggling. I've already businesses. had dinner, but let's go again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it's it's honestly the most awkward thing when you're the first person entering a restaurant, like peak hour Saturday night. No one else is there, and they're so like the eagerness in their eyes to serve you is something oh, else. But I've done it so many times because I'm just like I'm looking for some food. But that- is sometimes the have you been surprised by the like the service and and the food? Like have you or is it obvious why no one why nobody is in there? It can go one of two ways, mm. and I've definitely had both experiences where I've been pleasantly surprised by a nice meal, and I yeah. think why aren't more people at this restaurant i'll write a nice review on a food review website and then of course there's the other end of the spectrum which is this business is going to close down (laughs) any second (laughs) have you thought of leaving envelopes of cash (laughs) that's a good idea three triple r It's time to talk to Nat Harris, our Friday funny bug. Uh, Hello, Nat Harris. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. How are we all going? Very well, thank you. Thank you. Had me on the edge of the seat. Wait for the intro there, Sam. God, the anticipation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, this morning I wanted to chat to you guys because I am doing um, a show in the comedy festival that's all based around my part-time job. As yes. a waitress. So I've been doing... What's the show called again? Baby Chino. That's right. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's a good name. People, people good like name. it. It's fun to say, isn't it? Baby Chino. Baby Chino. <laughs> Many layers to it. <laughs> Milk and Like froth. the beverage itself. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have been reflecting on my CV, if you will, my experience um, in part-time jobs. Most of it has been in hospitality. Mm -hmm. Um, I started out um, at a franchise uh, Mm -hmm. coffee place. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After, you know... First job ever was in a... Yep. Right. In um, everyone's second favourite franchise, Mm -hmm. Gloria Jeans. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think I had to do, like, two interviews and, like, five unpaid trials. God, (laughs) it's a joke, isn't it? I know. It was crazy. Uh, I was also interviewing at a donut shop as well. Intense times. Mm -hmm. I was 14. Um, (laughs) 
And then I've gone on to work at pretty much every cafe in Melbourne, from your, like, suburban daggy cafes to your converted, like, gutted warehouses, coffee houses Mm -hmm. that are serving, you know, six Nicaraguan blends. (laughs) (laughs) But I've also I've also been reflecting as well, which kind of has nothing to do with anything. But I also had the dream part time job for a while, Ooh. which was working in a video store. Oh my god, oh, yes. that is the dream. That's yes. like Quentin Tarantino started his that whole career. Was your response, Sam, guys. If I could show you his expression just then, it was just sheer glee and Be- respect. He was speaking <laughs> at me. Yeah, I respect. was I was trying to think. It was either yeah, videos or in a cinema. Yes, yeah. I always wanted yep. to work in a cinema. Still do. Still did mine. Yeah, I'd do that. You did? Yeah, yeah. <gasps> High five. You and me. Dream yes. team. Yeah, I was thinking he was working in a cheese shop. It was. So yeah, there we eat go. Cheese okay, yeah. I feel like that's more... Uh... Think about the smell, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Think about the smell on your fingers. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, cinema. Yeah, that's right up there. I think pretty much the only downside of working in a video store is that I was forced to wear... Um, Promotional Shrek ears, oh. way past it being a right. new release. <laughs> <laughs> Keep them on. Then my boss has like, um, there was oh. like CCTV or I don't know what you call it, just video cameras, surveillance. Yes. So he would sit out the back. He was so lazy, sit out the back oh, and just mate, watch you the were monitors. Such a horrid picture. And he would come out and just. Keep telling me to put the ears on. Oh no, that's cruel, isn't it? I know. Yeah. And I was the a boss teenager. Who's got his priorities straight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember once he made me watch footage um, of me oh, on a midweek God. shift, sitting on the bench, eating pick and mix, <laughs> watching the screen. Oh. <laughs> and he's what? like, "This is you." I'm like, "Mm-hmm." What yep. are you? Why is he watching you do this? I what know, is going on? It's creepy. You shattered he... my dream of being working. Yeah. Yeah. Those were the low points. Other what than that, kind of man heaven. comes out and goes, "You've got to put your trick <laughs> <laughs> on." <laughs> I know, it is ridiculous. Yuck. I know, it is quite sordid. I've been watching you put your Shrek ears on. Put your Shrek ears on. It was like that. Anyway, I've blabbered on about me. So you had the cinema. What about you, Jeff? What's Uh, your part-time experience? I had a job changing light bulbs. Oh, seriously. (laughs) Why am I not surprised? How did you get that job? Was that your first job? (laughs) What's my first job was when I was at uni. I had this part-time job. It was in this big... um, sort of office place and for some reason their light bulbs blew all the time. All the time. Once oh a week I used, to, I used to come in there and change them all for them. That's insane. Wow. It's a good job. Fun yeah, times. I would love a job like electrocution. that. No yeah. Good. Mm, yeah. Quite high risk. How many hours would you do this for a day? Uh, it was like one shift a week. Like it was one day a week. <laughs> one light bulb a week. <laughs> one light bulb a week. <laughs> um, but today I thought we could play... Um, because I am, I'm very experienced in customer service. So yes. I thought I would test your customer okay. service. I feel good about this. Throw you into a few scenarios. Have any of you worked in hospitality before? Yes, I have. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Then you'll be good at this. Thank you. Um, so it's been a while. It's, so. That's all right. That's okay. Mm. And, you know, maybe I'll give you some feedback. And... Do you have any light bulb role play for Jeff? <laughs> um, it's actually all light bulb related <laughs> okay. materials. Good. So that's crazy. So what, was your, what, what was your first part? Yeah, time sorry, uh, Sam. Just like st- I did that street fundraising thing. You know, the people asking oh. for money on the street. That uh, was a horrible experience. Yeah. And yeah. I'm still traumatized from Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. If it makes you feel better, Sam, I also had a dark stint selling raffle tickets oh. for the Collingwood Football Club. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's, that's okay, dark. though. I would sell pass outs. <laughs> 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 um, okay. So this first um, is a role play. Who wants to play? Who wants to be in the role play? 
Yes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. Of us, Jeff definitely does. Okay. All right. So C is customer and S is server. So this role play, um, what we're looking for, it's called is the customer always right? Mm-hmm. Question mark, mm-hmm. Sam. Okay. So you listen to the role play and you tell us what you think. Um, bit of a backstory. Who is playing the customer? Um you are, Geraldine. Okay, yeah. a bit of backstory. You're in town visiting your daughter who's at uni and you're jet-lagged. You have arrived from Belfast. Okay, oh. yeah. from Belfast, visiting family. So I'm C for customer. You're C for customer. And I'm here, Sam. <clears throat> yes. yes, and you've just been told that you're evicted from your house. Oh. Why not? Just raise yeah. the stakes. Just yes. be subtle but bring it to the roll some way. <sighs> I'll have two pies takeaway, please. We don't sell pies. I'm sorry. <laughs> so that was a bit aggressive. <laughs> no, no, no. It was perfect. Very, really good. This is it, what I'm looking for. <laughs> Can you read my writing, Jody? Sorry, yes, but Google says you do. Unfortunately, we don't. That's ridiculous. Absolutely absurd. And sing. Brilliant. Well oh. done. Okay, Thank you. there was a lot going on there, and I just want to say what you brought to the scene was beautiful. Thank you, uh, Sam. Mm. I know it's quite subtle. It's not black or white this scene. But what is your gut? Who is right or wrong in this situation? Just go off your gut. I feel like Geraldine definitely is... feels like she's more right in this situation. Ah, mm. interesting. Mm. Okay, I'm absolutely right in wanting. The Google, pies. Google said that there was pies. You advertised for pies. There's no pies, and Here's she's a... just got off a plane. Yes, yeah. Yes. Nothing to do with our availability of pies that she's got off a plane. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, but where's your where's your empathy for me? You know, you just go, <laughs> we don't sell pies, I'm sorry. Yeah, you. he said he doesn't sell pies. Mm. Yeah. Maybe we don't sell pies to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good point. <laughs> I think here's what you should do in this situation. Yeah. Like Jeff should have been more... Oh, I'm I'm so sorry. We don't actually sell, sell pies. pies. Uh, perhaps I could interest you in a pasty. A pasty? pasty. A pasty. A pasty. <laughs> yeah. Pasty. A pastry. No, it's a combination of a pasty and a pastry. A pastry. Very good. Okay, and I'd say that we're right. Uh, I had it down that the customer was right in this Thanks. situation. And just to bring that home, a bit of background information, mm. the cafe, the establishment she's actually at is called Pies R Us. So she's well and truly yeah, within right. her rights to be requesting a pie. Right. Jeff, you're just you, an Jeff. asshole. Yeah. No, it's ironic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's ironic. Do we have time for one more? Yep. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 Um, okay. So this next one is a tr- another tricky one mm-hmm. and may or may not have happened to me just mm. last week. Um, okay. So um, a man comes in talking loudly on his phone, yep. continues to talk, and then he mouths to the server just a flat white. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And continues to talk mm-hmm. and then slides the money and then goes back into the conversation. The server, again, who may or may not have been me, um, <laughs> rolls their eyes yeah. unintentionally and turns to the coffee machine. He then gets off his phone and says, I saw that. Oh, out. I saw that. Don't roll your eyes at me. Don't you roll your eyes at, at me. me. Okay, oh. so you've got this is a multiple choice. Okay, okay? what 
did you say? <laughs> what did that say? Did you say A, sorry, I thought that was in my head? <laughs> B, I can and I did? <laughs> or C, sorry, it's clear you're going through a divorce? Whoa. I hope it's C. I really hope it's C. Please let it be I, C. A B is pretty good, though. Yeah. Uh, I won't be. You I'd... won't be? What do you say? No, I'd say C. C? It's Make it be personal. Oh, I love how much confidence you have in my sass. It was B! <laughs> Yay! Nice. That's very good sass, though. Thank yeah. you, like... wasn't it? I can and I did. Were you, <laughs> were you wearing Shrekies at the time? Oh, I was. Yeah. That was the only thing that just really brought my attitude down. Uh, <laughs> Nat Harrison, tickets available for your comedy festival show? Yes, they are. Go online, comedy festival website, Baby Chino. Uh, also, this Sunday. Um, yes, Kurt. Curtain 6 p.m. Yes, Geraldine is oh. going to be headlining and some um, other awesome Melbourne comics. So please come on down. 6 p.m. Curtain Comedy. At the it's Curtain. A, yeah, at the Curtain um, in Carlton. Yeah. It's a fun way to end the week. Woo! You're listening to the best bits of The Breakfasters from 3RRR. 